everyone. This is episode 576 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for Monday, January 14th, 2019. I am your host, Mark Nez, and today I'll be talking about the Atari Flashback Classics Volume 3 collection and a little bit of VR. I played a few VR games, just messing around and whatnot, and a few movies that I've been meaning to get around to and finally did, because uh, I'm pretty much all cut up in terms of anime, and I didn't want to jump into a new series. I didn't feel like starting Naruto or anything crazy like that, so I thought this is the perfect time to start catching up on some of my movie backlog. Anywho, I'm just going to jump right into it, because I don't have anything to touch upon news-wise. I didn't see what's out there, other than this Randy Pitchford gearbox craziness that I didn't know it was as crazy as it is, and I still didn't look into it myself. But if you want to hear more about that and enjoy hearing about it, listen to the latest Player One podcast where they talk about it, and it's crazy. It is really crazy. Um, so yeah, that that whole thing is just wild. But moving on to what I've been playing, and I think this is going to be a short show because I'm just I'm in relaxation mode because this weekend. Saturday, I finished Yakuza 0, which has been taking up a lot of my time, and after finishing it and watching the, I don't know, hour plus of cutscenes, and just, it was just, there's just so much at the end, I thought I was going to finish it within a certain time limit, and then I ended up going about an hour later than I thought I was because of all these different cutscenes. If you include the few last fights you have that are sandwiched in between cutscenes, it may rival, if not exceed, that of the end of that of the ending of Metal Gear Solid 4. There's a lot of shit that is just thrown in at the end, including a little stinger at the very end. Uh, but I, I really love that game. Can't wait to record the audio for that episode of Attack the Backlog. What surprised me most about the game was the story, but Finishing that, I looked at my schedule of all the Attack the Backlogs I have in the can and ready to go, and I am good through mid-March. So I have built up quite the cushion, more than I was expecting, and it'll probably increase more as I play some more. I want to transition to a smaller game. What exactly, I'm not sure, because... I want to play both a smaller game and a game that doesn't have an emphasis on story. So I just want to play something that I can turn my brain off and play through without giving it much attention to other other than the gameplay and all that. So that's something I'm looking at, as well as potentially tackling my first second run, which is where I play games I've played in the past that I love and would like to revisit. Uh, which would probably be Jade Empire first, because I just I've been dying to play that again for years, and now is a good a time as any to do that. Um, but yeah, after finishing Yakuza Zero, I didn't play anything for the rest of Saturday, and then I didn't play much of anything on Sunday. And today, I still kind of want to just relax and take a breather, because that was a fun and crazy but also an exhaustive experience. Anywho, so I played through every game included in the Atari Flashback Classics Volume 3 collection. 
and there are 50 games, I believe. A handful of arcade games, some 2,600 games, some 5,200 games, and a dozen or so unreleased prototypes, uh, I believe. And the thing about Atari, for me, is that I didn't grow up with it. I played it a little bit, but really my first system that I got really deep into and fell in love with games with was the NES. So I don't have a lot of nostalgia for Atari. That said, I do find it interesting to go back and see this era of gaming and where you know we are now and, and where we came from. I do find that interesting. And... For that, I, I think stuff like this, these collections, are good. However, they are old games. They are very, very dated. A lot of them don't hold up. Every single sports game included is garbage now. They're, there's nothing worth noting or just... It, it, they're not enjoyable. They're not fun. They're just... They are what they are. They're a relic, and they should just remain as that. But there are some still enjoyable games, even though... They're all simple. There are some games that are still pretty enjoyable. Before I get to those, because I made a list of the, the games that stuck out to me, I do like that with all of the console games, you get full high-res scans of the manuals. It's fun to go through those. I do wish they included some tidbits or, or bits of history about these games uh, as part of the collection you know you just have like a few paragraphs or so or even just one paragraph that gives you a bit of insight in the as far as these games go like this game was known for this or you know this was a big deal about this game and so on just because for me and I think a lot of people I don't know that much history-wise about these games, um, and I would like to know more about that. Uh, and you can't really learn anything from the manuals other than the controls, but there are a lot of games here, and some of them are bad just because they're bad, and they were never good, but they were all people had, so they dealt with them. Some are bad because of the controller. I think a few of them, the ones that would use the paddle controller, probably feel better on the PlayStation 4. I'm playing this on Xbox One. I feel like they'd probably feel, 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 feel better on the PlayStation 4 because I'm almost certain that they use the, or you can use the touchpad to control those games, which would feel much better and more natural than using the analog stick, which sucks in stuff like Super Breakout or... Uh, Missile Command or, or any of these games uh, that would use either like a trackball or a paddle or whatever or the stick just because the way it works with the regular control and gamepad and an analog stick is that the cursor or the paddle will default to the center and, and when you move it around it's pretty sensitive, but when you let go, it it goes back to the center. So it's not like you can, in, in say, Missile Command, move the cursor to a direction and then adjust it slightly, you know, like quickly move it to the right side of the screen and then slightly adjust it a little lower so that it's in the position you want. No, you have to press in and hold in the right direction. And then if it's too high, you have to just slowly, you know, gradually adjust the analog stick so it's in the right position, which can be a bit time consuming and in a game like Missile Command 
you don't have the time to fidget around with any of that. And it just doesn't feel that good. It makes one of my favorite arcade games not fun, which sucks. But there are some games that I think are still fun today. And I'm going to go through those now. So the majority of these, I, I think almost all of them I've never played. But the first is, and I'm going in alphabetical order because that's the way they're, I think that's the way they're organized. Well, you know, in terms of like, okay, here are the arcade games in alphabetical order. And then these are the console games in alphabetical order. So first is Canyon Bomber. And this is a game where you are playing against another person or an AI who, uh, and you're, you're both controlling blimps at first. And you're over this canyon that has all these little circles with numbers in them. At the top are really low numbers and the bottom they get higher and higher. And you're just dropping bombs and destroying these circles. And the number of the circle, the number in the circle is the point you get for destroying that one. And you're just going back and forth over and over again until you either remove all of these circles or you miss three times for, for both players. Both players have to miss three times for the, the game to end. And it's really simple. Uh, eventually your blimp will turn into a plane and you have to worry about the speed you're moving, the height you're at, as far as where the, the trajectory of your bomb is going to go. And it's simple, but it's fun. I enjoyed it. It's not a game I would play for extended period of times or want to go back to regularly, but I did enjoy it. I thought it was pretty fun. The next one that I thought was pretty good was Destroyer, which is where you're playing as a destroyer, and you're just dropping bombs in the water and you control the depth level where you where the bombs will explode and submarines are coming from both sides and you're just trying to hit them and destroy them and that's it it's simple fun and it works it controls well still today and then the game that i probably like the most of all the games i played in the entire collection and one that i would love to see revisited and reimagined in like a small little indie game and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about how I would like to see that play out but uh it's dominoes and dominoes is basically versus snake so it's just like snake but instead of controlling a snake that is getting bigger by eating things or whatever you're just constantly placing dominoes against another player and the object is to be uh to outlast the other player before they either run into a wall, run into you, or run out of space because you've created a, a, a more of a more room for yourself to lay out dominoes. And what I really like about this is that one, I just think that type of gameplay is fun. I've always loved Snake. If you remember Hardlines on iOS, that game was fantastic, and I loved it. And I just love Snake and Snake type games. What I really like about this is that when one of the players does run into something or whatever and have nowhere to go, the way the end of the turn plays out is that the loser's dominoes then trickle and they fall and you can see the trail go back to where they started. And that's just a cool thing. It, it sounds cool and it's just cool to look at. And what I would love to see this turned into in, in a current game is the same thing where it's an over-the-top view of the play field and and 
you're just placing the dominoes like normal. But when one of the players loses, instead of it just staying at that over-the-top view, is that it transitions to a 3D set and all these pieces in a, a 3D world. And it would be nice if they could create the layout of the area in a way that from the over-the-top view, it still is perfectly flat and of a square, and then you could just move around freely. But when you look at it in 3D, it, there are various levels and stuff like that. And just being able to see the dominoes fall in that 3D space would be really cool. It's not a super, you know, that still wouldn't make it a super complicated game. But for a $5, $10 game, I'd be in for that. You know, they could add other modes too than just the versus thing. Um, you know, like maybe people would just want to be able to set up dominoes and, and then watch them fall. I don't know. But I think that could be a really cool, simple little thing to to put out there now today. I just, I really liked it. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I, I'm not going to load this game up a bunch just to play that mode, but if anybody wanted to create a game like that, I would be all for it. Moving on, there was, well, I, I put Maze Invaders on here, and then I just said it's fine. So I think Maze Invaders was one where you're just going through, there, there are two maze ones. I think this is the one where you're going through, and then you're collecting all these, all these objects, all these pieces of garbage or whatever they are in an area. And once you do, four doors will open up and then you go through them and transition to the next area and there are enemies in the level some that are just moving back and forth that are getting in your way and some that will fire at you um, pretty simple but it's fine pool shark is really weird it's a pool game but it's a pool game where you just control the cue ball and you move it around freely you're not hitting it with a pool stick or anything you're just moving the ball constantly around here and trying to knock all the balls into all the holes before the time limit runs out it's really weird it's not what i was expecting from a pool game it runs like shit i don't i'm guessing that's to be true to the original way like when there are when the the game's at uh, starting out at the very beginning and all the balls are not yet in any of the pockets they're still all on the table it runs like ass and it takes maybe three or four balls being pocketed before it starts to run smoothly so it doesn't run all that well but there, there's something about it that's oddly enjoyable though I, it's not a game i want to play for more than 10 minutes in my whole life but there was something weirdly fascinating about it that made me stick with it for a few matches i'm just like this is so weird this is not a, this is not how pool is supposed to work. Of course, if you pocket the cue ball, if you're getting too aggressive, trying to push these because you're just trying to push the balls into these holes, um, then you, you start over because you can't do that. It's just it's a weird little thing. Then there's a game called Skydiver, which I didn't particularly like. It's where you're dropping out of a plane and you're then letting it out your your parachute at some point. The lower you are when you light it out, the higher the score, and then you're trying to land into a designated spot for uh, a score. What I hated about this game is that if you fall out of the, or you're, if you jump out of the plane and you don't land uh, before letting out your parachute, if you if you just crash land, then an ambulance comes on screen and it 
it just makes one of the most annoying sounds I've ever heard in any video game. The siren is awful. It's just like, it's the worst. I hated it so much. And it made me so agitated once that I just kept jumping out of the plane to like, because I was trying to skip the ambulance picking on my guy that I would then forget to parachute, to, to pull my parachute. And the ambulance would come again almost immediately. And I just kept getting into a loop of hearing that sound and it was the worst which reminds me of this fire truck game and all the racing games the racing games don't feel particularly great either but one of the weird things i noticed about most of if not all the racing games is that when you do crash the screen goes crazy the the crash effect for these racers is just insane the screen will shake and it will flash and if i was or anyone is prone to seizures, I feel like these games would be terrible for you because they're just flashing and making a nasty sound, a crunchy sound. Like, it's just, ugh. Um, but, yeah. Then uh, I played some Aquafish, which was all right. You just shoot fish. And it's basic, but works. This might, might have been one of the unreleased games. Uh, and then there's Centipede, which is one of the arcade ports that does feel good. The only problem is it's Centipede. I'm not a huge fan of Centipede or Millipede. Uh, Millipede's on here, included here too, which is a unreleased prototype of the 5200 version, I think. Um, but it, it, it feels really good. There's also Asteroids on here, which f works fine, but... I don't like it because I don't like the look of it. Uh, I, I much prefer the arcade with the hollow-looking asteroids and all that, and, and as opposed to these that are blue and solid and don't have the same charm, if you want to call it that. Uh, the more simplistic just outlines. I, I really like that look for asteroids. Um, there's Frog Pond, which made there, there are two frog games on here. Frog Pond. Or the other one it was an unreleased one, I think. But both of them are not great. Frog Pond is one where you're playing by yourself and you're just j jumping back and forth between these two spaces, uh, grabbing things with your tongue that are flying in the sky. They could be bugs, they could be birds, they could be like little packs of fleas or something. And the thing I didn't like about this game is that it just went on forever and it never really ramped up all that much. It was never exciting. Uh, you at a point will run into these bugs that like to go up high and they're harder to get and that's probably when you'll eventually fail because the way you fail that game is once you miss six bugs or birds or whatever um they, they, they probably weren't birds because that wouldn't make sense but they're just shaped like the the traditional really uh old-fashioned cartoony birds that are just almost like a, a, an open book um, if you if you know that particular style of birds um, but yeah it just went on way too long I felt like it was going on for over five minutes and it just never got any more exciting than it was in the very beginning which is what made it not so enjoyable and then the other frog game you're going back and forth with another player from uh, like lily pad to lily pad while bugs are coming by and you're trying to jump at the right time so that you'll be at the the right level and then eat them and that was really easy and also I didn't know when the end game would be for that because it just 
it didn't seem like we were going after a high score or anything. It's just going back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, oh, when will this end? Because I am sick of this. And I just quit out. I didn't even wait for that one to end. Uh, and then the last one that I wanted to mention is Star Raiders, which is this first-person space shooter that wasn't that fun particularly, but it just looked really cool. It had some really nice effects going on, some nice audio and everything. It just it was really cool uh, looking at the tech of that now, uh, even even though you know it's it's very old and all that. It looked really cool. I could I could see myself playing that back in the day and thinking, wow, this this is really neat. Um, but yeah, I think it's you know a, a neat package um, compared to the other collections i this this may be my favorite just because i love domino so much and i think some of the included on release ones while they're unreleased for a reason in many cases those are neat um but i i think there's there are you know there's a solid dozen or so games in here that are still that still hold up and there's online I believe multiplayer and leaderboards and all that local uh, play as well. Some games are multiplayer only seemingly. The one thing that is frustrating about it is just that the controls and the games don't do a great job of explaining how things work. You can look at the manual to see, okay, this is what you're supposed to do or whatever. But it would be nice if the games, when you first start them, would give you some kind of uh, idea of how they work. And even the controls... I don't think you can access them in the pause menu just to see what button does what. So you have to check them before you launch a game, which is frustrating. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's the case. It's not really uh, that tedious to back out and see the controls, but it just seems like an oversight to not include that in the pause menu. And just not having them when you first start a game or uh, every time is a bit uh, annoying. But it's a solid collection if you're somebody who likes to explore games from the past and you've played the other ones and, and you'd like to see more. You know, it's it's a worthy addition to those volumes. Um, you just have to know that the majority of the games. I mean, all the games are really old and dated, and they're not. There's there's nothing here that you'll want to keep coming back to for weeks and weeks and weeks, or even days and days and days. But Unless, of course, you are nostalgic for the Atari and all that, then you may. But I, I do think you know there's there's fun uh, and, and maybe not fun. That might not be the right word. But there's there's something neat about returning to these things uh, if you're a big fan of gaming and all that and history and stuff like that. I, I just I do really wish they had some more kind of history included for these games and stuff and gave you like with the unreleased ones like maybe there was something and i just didn't notice but uh, you know it would be nice to get a bit more information you know yeah I, I when i look at stuff like this i kind of wish they'd get the criterion collection type of treatment and have all these extra features and everything and just be so lovingly handled in terms of all of the extras which I, I wish there were more. That's that's my biggest gripe with these things, uh, these volumes, these collections. Um, other than that, I played a few VR games, just two. I played through a little bit of Ultra Wings. 
I think that's what it's called, which is just Pilot Wings PSVR, and it's fine. Uh, flying around, going through targets, it doesn't look that great, but it works and it's whatever. Which then led me to replay through Eagle Vision, which I like more because instead of using the controller and just playing like a regular flight game, you're just using your head, and it, it's still a neat game that I wish would be revisited because I would love to play another game like that where you're flying and you're just using your head to maneuver and that you have more cities to explore and ones that look better because it's an early game and it looks like it. it it's not the most visually uh, diversive. Uh, you know, everything pretty much looks the same. And after a point, it does get a little bit older. Nice, cool effects included in it. Like when you're low to the water, the, the water will start splashing around you and stuff like that. And yeah. Other than that, haven't played much of anything else that really comes to mind. Yeah, I did watch some movies. I talked about that. So what I watched was The Incredibles 2 and Searching. I also watched Bits of Colette, uh, about an hour of that, which is a biopic starring Keira Knightley about this author who wrote Gigi. I don't remember her name. Uh, well, I think it's Colette. <laughs> Um, but, uh, it was okay. The weird thing about it was that it seemed to both be heavy handed and spend too much time with her husband at the same time who she wrote under his pen name. Uh, I don't know if eventually she, you know, got away from that. I'm assuming she did, but, uh, it's, it's a little bit heavy handed and showing multiple cases of like, Hey, look, these men are getting the attention while the women in the background are doing all the actual work. That's fine that they want to show that. Yeah, and that's the thing that happened too. It's you know it's all factual, but they could have gone about it in a better way. I think uh, in some of the cases, like there's this mime who is singing, and then it's a uh, of course a woman singing. And I, I figured as much because I when that that scene was happening, I'm like. Well, he looks like a mime, and it doesn't sound like it would be his voice at all. But my my bigger gripe is just that the husband, who is a piece of crap, is given way more time and all of that than I would have liked. I wish it would. Uh, it, it focused on him more than I wanted, uh, which is what led me to the most. To, which was the most frustrating for me. Um, and it, in addition to that, I just think it, it didn't compel me or it, it didn't keep my attention as much as other biopics that I've enjoyed in the past, which may be because, I, I, don't, I don't know, because I have a degree in writing, so that shouldn't be the case. But like some recent ones that I really love was uh, Turner, but that's in part because Jam W. Turner is my favorite artist. But then also Maudie, which is about this artist from, I don't know if it's Scotland or so. But that is a fantastic movie about this artist who then, she gets sick. I can't remember what she gets sick with. I, I don't, I, I don't want to say it was tuberculosis. Because I feel like, I'm just thinking about Red Dead. But uh, she gets sick. Uh, and her husband's played by Ethan Hawke, and she is, oh, why can't I remember her name? 
she was in Happy Go Lucky, I believe is the name. But she's more known for being the the lead, the female lead in what is the name of that? The Shape of Water. Uh, I really, I really, really like her a lot. Um, so yeah, Maudie is really great. We're checking out Turner as well. But yeah, Colette was fine. It just didn't hit me as much as I would like. Then I also checked out a bit of Alpha, which is that wolf boy movie. And I was interested in it for the first 30 or so minutes until the boy was separated from his tribe. And then it became, oh, here's another stupid movie about a boy and his dog, in this case a wolf. And they're going to become friends and all this. First, the wolf isn't going to be all friendly, but is going to warm up to the boy and blah, blah, blah. And it just felt really samian. I I I thought what was going to maybe be a unique thing just went into a direction I didn't really care for. But I watched all of The Incredibles 2 and Searching, and I liked both of them. I really liked Searching. Searching surprised me a whole bunch. And if you don't know what that is, that is the one with John Cho, I think is the name, uh, of Harold and Kumar fame. But uh, it is the movie that takes place entirely through a screen so through the the facetime app on a mac computer and stuff like that and through imessage and checking facebook and just you know web pages and all that it's entirely through that and that sounds like it would probably end up being really crappy it just sounds like a stupid gimmick that would not have a compelling story tied to it but it was a really gripping story about a father trying to find his daughter after he can't after she goes missing and there are some twists in it that were a bit unexpected and i just i was really surprised by how good the story was and how engaging it was from start to finish i was in it from the very beginning to the very end and a lot of it has to do with John Cho's great performance. There's also Deborah Messing in it as a private, not a private detective, but as a detective. And yeah, it's really, really good. There, There's a lot of in it that is just related to like social media and, and the way people act on social media compared to the way they are in real life. That is kind of not scary, but just it's very true. And it's just a reminder of how shitty so much of the world is. For instance, I'm not going to spoil too much about the real, the, the majority of the story because I think it's worth watching. But when she goes missing, before it's made public, he is, the father is talking to some of the, her classmates and all that and, you know, trying to get some information. And he's learning that she wasn't really friends with anyone she wasn't close with anyone and it's it's shocking him and all of these people after she's it's made public they they all become her best friend the one girl who had her over for a study group who wasn't really close friends with her and just invited her because i don't know what her her argument was well i'm I'm trying to get into an ivy league school or something like that i'm like so you invite the asian is that why you is that what you're saying? You invited her because she's Asian and therefore she must be smart and she can help you get into your Ivy League. What is it? I don't understand that reasoning, but whatever. But she was kind of uh, uh, terrible. And then after 
her her missing status goes public she posts a video on youtube of her crying and talking about how she is her best friend and that scene in particular was just like oh god this is the worst shit about everything and it's so real and yeah that, that's the thing i really like about searching is that it touches upon stuff like that and it's very genuine and, and true to life and it, it just reminds you of how shitty the internet and all that can be and then the incredibles 2 i thought was pretty good i didn't love it but i enjoyed it quite a bit i think the the best part about it or the thing that i was very happy to see was that the whole violet angsty teenager uh bit was not present throughout the entire movie i thought for a second in in the the early going ons of watching it that her whole angsty attitude nonsense was going to be throughout the entire movie and it was going to annoy the shit on me but it only lasts for as long as it needs to last which is great that is a great thing they did and all the jack jack bits are fantastic when he's fighting the raccoon it's really fun and crazy and it one reminds me of that old video that i think a father did where he had his son fighting a squirrel or something in like the kill bill yellow type of outfit like a karate thing which is a crazy little video but it also reminds me somewhat of like the lunacy of looney tunes or something like that it's it was a really fun segment it, it's something that you can pluck out and turn into a short uh, i really like that scene but i thought a lot of it was really good um which is nice because i'm not a huge fan of pixar at this point but i i enjoyed a lot of it i think ultimately the antagonist the villain was not that great um but for the most part overall i really like the movie um so yeah that's that's pretty much it I, i've started watching ace attorney season two i I've caught up to where that is and that is a weird season that is both better and worse than the first season and it's worse because there are just characters who are really annoying that are just way too present in it but then it's better because it really goes deep with the it, it just goes crazy with some of the stupid weird dick joke things and just like there's a point where uh detective dick gumshoe uh, gumshoe at one point says nobody can nobody can outsmart big dick gumshoe and it's like this is a little weird that he's said big dick and then somebody else was talking about like balls and stuff like there was weird stuff and, and the, the whole butts it's like oh I, I can never get away from butts and there was one in particular that i wish i could remember it because it stood out as being so ridiculous that i just couldn't i couldn't believe that it was there um but yeah they have fun with those but at the same time then there are characters that are just all over the place and really annoying and have stupid not catchphrases but just personalities uh but yeah that's that's pretty much it so that'll do it for this here episode once again 
I'm your host, Mark Cusinez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast, and Attack the Backlog, which are all available on podcast services across the globe, like Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you'd like to check out either this show or Attack the Backlog on YouTube in video form, you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelatedsausage. And if you'd like to check out the art I do, you can go over to pxsart.com and check it all out in one place. If you see something you fancy, if you see something you like, uh-huh, you see I screwed it up there. It was going okay up until that point. If you see something you like, click the link and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. Anyway, that will do it. And as always, <laughs> as always, as always, as always, as always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Bye.